Thank you for listening to this audio recording from the pastoral team at Church of the Redeemer, an Anglican church in Greensboro, North Carolina. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Redeemer, its ministry, or its mission, then visit us online at RedeemerGSO.org. Good morning. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you so much for the work that you are doing in and through your church in the power of your Holy Spirit. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue to bless your body, that you would continue to nourish us in these times, that we might be the hands and feet of Christ to this world and to those whom we love, our family, our friends, and our neighbors. We pray that you would bless the remainder of this time of our fellowship this day, that you would be glorified in all things and that we would be satisfied in you. We pray this in your holy name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So today is Ascension Sunday. It is a day in the life of the church where we remember and we celebrate the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, according to the early church fathers, in particular, St. Augustine, the Feast of Ascension originated with the apostles. And it may be one of the oldest feasts practiced by the church, possibly going as far back as 68 AD. The feast itself commemorates or celebrates when on the 40th day after Jesus' resurrection, Jesus led his disciples to the Mount of Olives. And after blessing them and asking them to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit, he ascended into heaven. The story of the ascension of our Lord is found in the book of Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, our New Testament reading this morning. It is also mentioned in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, verse 19, as well as in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 50 through 53. The moment of the ascension is told in one sentence, quote, he was lifted up before their eyes in a cloud which took him from their sight, Acts 1, 9. Christ made his last appearance on earth 40 days after his resurrection from the dead. In Acts, Luke states that the disciples were in Jerusalem and Jesus appeared before them and commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. He said, you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now, Acts 1 verse 5. After Jesus gave these instructions, he then leads the disciples to the Mount of Olives. And here is where Jesus commissions them to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth, Acts 1, 8. It is also at this time that the disciples were directed by Jesus to go and to make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Spirit, Matthew 28, 19. And Jesus also tells them that he would be with them always 
even to the end of the world. As the disciples watched, Jesus lifted up his hands and he blessed them and then was taken up out of their sight. And in our reading this morning, we learned that there were two angels that appeared to the disciples and asked them, why are you still gazing here into heaven? And one of the angels said, this same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come again in like manner as you have seen him going into heaven. But you might be wondering, as I have for the past few weeks, what does all this actually have to do with Christian faith? What does this actually have to do with Christian faith and Christian practice? I mean, what is the importance of Jesus's bodily ascension into heaven, especially in light of the incarnation or in light of Jesus's death and what we've been celebrating for this past season of Easter? What is the importance of the ascension in light of all of these things? Well, let me just say it clearly. Without the bodily ascension of Jesus Christ, his incarnation, his life, his ministry, his death, and his resurrection slips into meaninglessness. In the same way, the cross of Christ means nothing without Jesus' resurrection. The resurrection loses all meaning without the bodily ascension in the story of the church, our story would never have begun. In fact, the gospel writer Luke makes it clear that Jesus's ascension is the final act of the great salvific event of history. And the book of Hebrews goes into further detail about how Jesus's ascension is the crowning achievement of his ministry. The author of Hebrews says that the ascension confirms Jesus's task to establish a better revelation a better promise, a better sacrifice, a better covenant, and a better priesthood, a better hope than the world had ever known. Further, the Son of God had to enter heaven, both for us to receive the Holy Spirit, as well as for him to receive his reward from God the Father. That is, his exaltation as Lord and Messiah. Think of it in this way. The ascension of Jesus Christ clarifies the resurrection, or at least what it means. And it makes Christian faith, our faith and ministry possible. So let's look into these two things. First, the ascension clarifies what the resurrection means. Now, here's a caveat. The central claim of the gospel, the central, most vital claim of all the gospels is this, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord is a claim that saturates the entire New Testament, and it is central to the book of Acts and all the epistles. In Acts 2, verses 32 through 33, this point becomes clear when Peter stands and preaches, quote, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we all are witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, 
He has received from God, the Father, the promised Holy Spirit, and he has poured out what you now see and hear. What Peter is saying here is that Jesus's ascension is the reason that he can send the Holy Spirit. Later in Acts 5, verse 31, Peter says that God exalted Jesus to the Father's own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgiveness of their sins. What Peter is saying is that it is because of the ascension that Jesus can give repentance and forgiveness. According to the prophets and the priests and the religious leaders before, even during, and even now, after Jesus' time, only God, only God is able to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And only God can forgive sin. What the ascension proclaims is this, that Jesus is the exalted and enthroned Lord who reigns in unity with God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. The ascension proclaims that Jesus Christ is Lord. And this is what the resurrection actually means. This is what we've been celebrating for the whole season of Easter, that Jesus Christ is the risen and exalted Lord and Messiah. Amen? To proclaim Jesus' resurrection is to claim that God has exalted him as Lord and Messiah. Acts 2.36, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Today, like Jesus' disciples on that glorious day, when tears were mixed with grief and joy, grief due to his absence, but joy, joy fueled by the assurance of his lordship, this is the question that comes to us. Are you assured Are you assured that Jesus Christ is Lord? That Jesus Christ has been exalted and is enthroned Lord of all creation, who with God the Father in the unity of the Holy Spirit reigns over your life. That Jesus is Lord of your life. That Jesus is Lord of the church. That Jesus is Lord of our lives. Does this give you hope? Does this give you joy? Because in a time when we continue to experience loss of control of life as we knew it, the ascension of Jesus Christ reminds us that that though the world has changed and is changing and our lives may never return to the way it used to be, Jesus Christ is Lord. And this has always been true. And will remain the case that God has exalted his son, our savior, Jesus Christ, God in flesh, as Lord and Messiah. Sisters, brothers, beloved, rest assured, 
that Christ Jesus is Lord. Be assured that the hope and joy that mark our lives is complete in him. Because if Jesus is not ascended, then the hope and the joy that marks our lives is incomplete. And our faith and our ministry has no ground. It has no source. It has no basis in God. And this brings me to my second point. Not only does the ascension of Jesus Christ make meaning or clarify what the resurrection actually means, it also makes our Christian faith and ministry possible. If Jesus is not ascended, then he is not fully risen. If Jesus is not ascended, then he is not fully reigning at the right hand of God the Father, which means that we are not joined to his life, and our faith and ministry are in vain. In other words, Christian faith and ministry would not be possible if it were not for Jesus' ascension. There would be no Acts chapter 2 through 28. There would be no New Testament if Jesus had not ascended because Christian faith and Christian ministry are the direct consequences of what happened to Jesus as God, the Holy Spirit, joins us to him to share in his life and therefore in his ministry. In other words, the ascension had to occur for the birth of the church at Pentecost to become a reality. Because Jesus ascended, the promise of God, which the prophets foretold, was fulfilled. God pouring out his Holy Spirit upon all flesh. Union with God. And the life we share now in his life is made possible through Jesus' ascension. And the life we share with God is to be lived for the sake of others. You see, the ascension marks the conclusion of Christ's work on earth. However, it is also a mark of a new beginning. Christ reigning and active ministry in and through the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of his body, the church, you and I, us. Right before his ascension, Jesus not only promises the Holy Spirit will be poured out upon his church, but he puts this promise into perspective. So if you have your Bible, look with me at Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. Beginning in verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and they asked, Lord, are you going to at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you 
and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Jesus puts the promise into perspective by showing the relationship between the promise that is given, the Holy Spirit, and those to whom the promise is given, the church. And this is found in verse 8 when he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. In the same way the Holy Spirit empowered and enabled Jesus to fulfill the mission of God. The Holy Spirit is given to empower and enable you and I, the church, for Christian faith, for Christian ministry, for witness. Which is to say that the Holy Spirit is given to the church for the purpose of participating in the mission of God in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is the story that unfolds throughout the book of Acts and the remaining New Testament. A story filled with the apostles and the early church being filled, being empowered, being instructed, being guided, being enabled to boldly proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the ends of the earth against all odds. For this reason, it's important to know that it is because of Jesus' ascension we are able to have union with God, life in God, and participation in the mission of God. And it's important, I think, that we not overlook or miss a vital point here, particularly In verse 8, when Jesus says, you shall be my witnesses, my witnesses to the ends of the earth. This means that Jesus has an active, continuing ministry. We learn in scripture that he is the one always presenting us to the Father, that he is interceding for us that he sends us the Holy Spirit to join us to his own life and his ministry to the glory of the Father for the sake of the world. You see, if we get this backwards, it's heresy. It's not our ministry for the sake of the world as if the world sets the Father's agenda. No, we have life in him We participate in his ministry to the glory of the Father for the sake of the world. In essence, this is the mission of God. And in so many ways, the ascension speaks to the heart of a mature faith and a faithful ministry because Jesus' ascension makes possible our communion with a living Lord, a living Messiah. And this means sharing in his life and in his life's purposes. Sharing in his life's purpose is the reason why the disciples had to be called away from staring up in amazement at where they last saw Jesus. 
You see, they weren't looking for the wrong person. They were just looking in the wrong place. Because all that Jesus began to do and to teach, Acts 1.1, it doesn't end with the ascension. The church continues to proclaim and to teach and to love and to serve in Jesus's name. In the work of the Spirit, we encounter Jesus and what Jesus continues to do in this world. We aren't left staring at where Jesus used to be, whether that's in history or in our own life experiences or in our own settled opinions and interpretations. Because Jesus has ascended, we continue to encounter Jesus through the preaching of the word and the sacraments, through the fellowship of the church and through ministry with the poor and the oppressed and to our neighbors. Because Jesus has ascended as our risen Lord, none of the other departures that we experience, the departures of relationships, of health, or of life itself, can harm us or rob us of God's good and great faithful promise. It is for these reasons that we can and we should celebrate the ascension with praise and thanks. Beloved, may our ascended Lord, Jesus Christ, continue to reign in and through your life. May he reign in and through you so that when he comes again, you and I, we will be found faithful. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.